0: Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. Gonna try to make the most of it today. I know last week I missed out on sharing all the cool hemp insights with you. So my apologies for that. But as I said, I'll get the blog post in your hands and there's a lot of cool things there. So we can talk about that here momentarily. We'd love to kind of get some of your thoughts because, ooh, actually, somebody's trying to join. Um, because we could kind of use some direction. Um, was not been a little uh, dissatisfied with where my research is heading, and was kind of just wanting to change gears. So, for example. with all my frustration i was saying okay right for example we were talking about pesticides and candace asked the question about you know how can we right for example for lab results there was the whole problem of lab shopping and a cheap effective solution was just having people ask for their lab results and I think we may still need to think about this more, but I haven't thought of a quick, simple solution like that necessarily for this sticky issue of pesticides. And the only thing that I can think of at the moment is you know, in certain states, if you don't have access to data, then really the only way to know for certain your pot products are pesticide free are basically to, to grow it yourself um and that's permitted in some states so i know it's going to be difficult so for example candace you're in massachusetts you can in fact grow your grow your own but once again this is not a cost-free solution right it's almost costless to ask for your lab results however there's quite expensive to actually grow your cannabis at home so it's not really the the end all be it to to solutions and in many states it won't even work so for example i'm in washington state so we do have access to open data here so that i can at least look at the the lab results and make sure my products are pesticide free but i can't grow it at home so at least i have open data so for that's what i've just basically been encouraging people you know if you're a cannabis consumer either ask 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 for your data or ask 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 to to grow it yourself um, if you have any better ideas about how you can you know ensure your products are in fact pesticide free i'm all ears. or if you've got a bigger issue or problem or research idea then i'm all aboard to to hear that and pursue it too Um, but basically just trying to you know put my time effort and energy into you know sort of the most press pressing issue for a while i thought it was lab shopping and i think it's that problem still exists but i hope it's heading in the right direction from what I see with people in Florida, you know, asking for their lab results. But but those are my thoughts for today. And before, you know, I keep droning on, we'd love to get some of your input because it's a cannabis Data Science meetup after all. So we'd love to hear about, you know, what do you think's a, a pressing issue for research? Because we've got, well, at least I have a little bit of time and energy to to devote to pushing this forward. So what do you think, Candace? W- what's the most pressing issue we should be working on here at the Kansas data science meetup?
1: I'm not sure, Keegan.
0: It's a um, big question.
1: <laughs> it is a big question. It's a loaded question. Um, you know, it is interesting though that you do get open data sets in Washington State and You know, it's pretty interesting too that, um, you know, you discovered a pesticide that they shouldn't be using. And um, that, you know, that it's also interesting. It's kind of hard to walk away a bit from the pesticides, but you know, we're just in Massachusetts, I'm just banging my head against the wall, trying to get, you know, details. So frustrating. But I love growing, and uh, I don't think I spend a ton of money growing compared to the fact that the it's easy to do. I You know, I didn't start cannabis until seven years ago, and um, it, it's so easy to grow. It, you know, I just, you know, I, I I water every couple of days, you know, make sure there's no bugs. I mean, that's really the key thing. And um you know, I don't spend that much on electricity. And I have a really small house too, with 100 amp service. And I still, you know, I I probably get about a pound, you know, per grow. So and and I have tiny tents, you know, one in the laundry room, that's tiny, you know, one in a spare bedroom, that's, you know, a little bigger. And it's not like my old house where I had the big tents, you know, and outside, you know, I could grow outside. But it's all interesting what you're doing keegan you're you're really on the bleeding edge thank you so much
0: i love some of these things you brought up Candace, and one in particular was the cost and what got me thinking was if you talk to like an old school botanist they're just going to say that it's ludicrous that people are growing cannabis inside you know you're spending An enormous amount of energy trying to replicate the sun. You know, the sun is in the sky in some parts of the country, you know, a large portion of the day, you know, for free. It's just this, you know, I mean, some people I've uh, talked to engineers and they argue you can kind of replicate the light coming from the sun, but I'm super skeptical. And so, I think plants love the sun. I was out at the, the fields, super sunny days, and all they're concerned with is watering the plants, right? That, that's their principal concern. They're like, you know, and that field I was at was a completely organic field. And I'll show you pictures, but the plants were in just pristine health they do have it's, it's interesting the the hemp fields have uh, different sorts of like viruses and pathogens than you get inside so they were saying they their main uh virus is this curly top virus and so you just see some plants the the tops of them would just get a a little curly and basically what the, the farmer said is, if the plants are healthy, they can just kind of power through it. Um, and of course, you know, the, the researchers at, you know, the, the uh, well, I forget what it is, Washington State University, they're kind of, cr- of course, concerned with the curly top virus, trying to learn more about it. But the the hemp farmer, um, you know, he says, you know, maybe he'll lose a plant here and there for it, but, you know, the plants are just so healthy, loving the sun, loving the water, you know, they can power through. But ooh, um, I may have lost my train of my, uh, I don't know where I was going. Well, I kind of know where I was going with that, but I started rambling. But Ruth, you may have had a comment or question.
2: No, i sorry, I hit it accidentally. I was just, I was thinking that um, what we're seeing right now in the industry is hop-latent viroid. And I, I've heard that something like 90% of, of of plants in California are affected, which is miserable. The only way, now I've been listening to talks on it, and it's like coronavirus um, in a lot of ways, but it gets into the seeds and the plant. Uh, and it sounds like really the only way to control it is to eradicate it so it sounds i don't know uh i haven't heard that there's been mass destruction of crops in california so i don't know what they're going to do with with how they're going to address the problem
0: i love that you well i don't love this but uh, it's interesting that you bring this up ruth so someone reached out to me and i'm hoping that they'll be on the they'll join the meetup next week so somebody who a ceo who runs a testing lab in california that is primarily focused on testing for hops late and viroid wants to to join the meetup and talk with us and tell us what it's all about so i'll get you the specific dates but i want to say that's that's next week and i'm personally super interested in learning more about this as you pointed out this is Basically, the number one con- concern threat to the indoor growers, you were saying, you know, potentially 90% of the crop, uh, they the grows in California. I, I, I know it's also a problem in Colorado. A thought that comes to mind is, I wonder if it's affecting the outdoor cultivations as much as the indoor
2: my mm-hmm. what i've heard is 90% of all cannabis in california is affected uh, infected i've also my i've i've seen a couple of presentations and listened to podcasts on it and it can get into the seeds and i don't know if you can actually test the seeds or if you have to germinate them and what's really interesting is they said it you want to, if, you, if you're if you testing, you want to test the roots because it'll get into the roots and then it'll distribute through the rest of the plant. So you can have an infected plant, you can test sections of the leaves and the leaves will come back negative, but that might be perhaps because the virus hasn't spread to that part of the plant yet. So you can get a, essentially a false negative. Uh, and it's from what I'm hearing, it's really insidious, and and you know if it's in the seeds, then if you're planting new seeds, then I don't know how you protect against it because it it's it's expensive, obviously, to have to germinate the plants to figure and then wait and test them to see if they're infected. I it's it's a real mess. I don't know how the industry is going to address it. As I said,
0: phenomenal points. Ed. as I said, will get the, the the facts next week so anything i tell you right now is just going to be hearsay that sort of yeah hearsay wisdom or knowledge or just uh opinions that i've uh, just uh, accumulated just talking with people but for, i think you're absolutely right i think there's suspicion that yes it can be passed through the seeds the the rate may be low so maybe say, I don't know, I think people are just throwing out numbers, like maybe two to eight or 10%. Um, if, if you've got a, an infected plant, maybe two to 8% of, or two to 10% of the seeds may have the virus. I don't, this is, as soon as people start mentioning chemicals, I get super, super cautious, um, but I, uh, i've heard people say that they they go through protocols such as putting um, a small amount of bleach i forget what it was like 0.1 of bleach or something in water and they basically and once again don't quote me on that i don't even personally recommend that like i said i'm not a big fan of chemicals so i wouldn't do any sort of thing like this but i have heard of people doing it so it's something to know about um, that know people may be doing this, but they may be basically cleaning off the seeds before they uh, they germinate it with a with some sort of disinfectant, potentially you know super diluted bleach. Um, I've then, heard that.
2: I think I, I read that that doesn't it works sometimes but not always.
0: E- exactly, and then that's pre pre germination. And then basically from my understanding, they basically quarantine, right? Well, in the facilities where this is a big problem, like California, right? They're basically would, I guess, quarantine the sproutlings um, in, until they you know, get them tested. And as far as my understanding, like you said, in California, it's such a big problem that I think people are basically having to use tissue culture, um, which is, once again, you're going to have to talk to um, like a chemist or botanist to really understand tissue culture. But from my understanding,
2: what they do is they take small, they, they want to go to the, the very, very tips of the root of the plants that where you're getting new growth, because that's essentially like stem cells. They're very clean. And then you take samples from there and you can test the cells to make sure they're clean. And then you propagate more samples from those clean cells. That's the way my understanding of tissue culture works. What exactly. I, I do want to say, real quickly, that what I find so extremely paradoxical about cannabis is that so it there's so many diseases out there and they spread so quickly, which means that my understanding is that cannabis grows are essentially becoming like clean rooms. And what I find so paradoxical is it's weed, you know, as you're saying, it grows so. Easily outdoors. All you need to do is water it and give it, you know, let it have some sun, and it's it's the most technologically un-intensive product out there, and that it just grows on its own. Yet, if we look at where the industry is going, it's becoming perhaps the most technologically intense cultivated product, and I just I find that very ironic. And
0: this is. Where I, uh, you'd almost have to talk to uh, like a uh, someone who knows ecosystems, like uh, I want to say an environmentalist, but that doesn't sound right. But so someone an, an ecologist, because there's a, a an interesting principle that I've uh, been been c- trying to to learn and um, incorporate more of. Where it's um, you know, like too much of something is is bad, but then too little of it is also bad. Um, and so, basically, the people like uh, growing outside, right? They've got tons of pests, but then then there's also like things that eat the pests. Like it's a like it's a bug eat bug world. Um, and so, it, it seems counterintuitive but it's almost like uh that was kind of what i was learning about the hemp fields it's almost like a little bit of an ecosystem so they are you know pulling weeds but um so 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 that's the main battle i think when you're growing outside are weeds um but a lot of the bugs will will you know target other bugs um and then uh, i think things like the what the white powdery mildew right so that's a, a big problem inside but they said outside it's just you know not I, i'm not sure it's as much of a, a problem so some of me thinks that part of this may be like it's almost too clean right um you've which is kind of a, you know, paradox, uh, uh, paradox, but it's basically, you know, they're trying to grow inside, outside of the plant's natural habitat. There's nothing else in there. There's no other organic material. So it's like if you get any like pathogen, like any mold or parasite into that room, then it's just like the only like organic thing to eat on is your cannabis plants and it's got no predators so if you do get um and, and then and then you've also got a, a the problem of a, a, what's it called a, like mono crop where a, a lot of these rooms it's just a room full of clones that are all genetically identical. Um,
1: Copy that. Wild
0: squirrel. Wild squirrel. <laughs> wild squirrel. Copy that. Roger. So John, but <laughs> comments question, John. I'm, I'm not sure if you're okay. But um, so so.
2: Probably about
0: that but my mind. okay it's okay John. <laughs> but uh, i'll let you um ruth if anyone else has any more thoughts about this but but what's kind of just getting back to me is just um like you you know like a lot of the other big agricultural crops like i want to say like bananas maybe maybe super susceptible to viruses because they're just you know all the the bananas are very very genetically similar. And so so that's the other advantage to growing these giant hemp fields. They are technically growing them all by seed. So while they are the same variety, there is genetic variation among every single plant. So yes they're not they're closely related but they're not perfectly related so so maybe maybe that has a factor so maybe something about every single plant being a clone um, that that may be a problem um but obviously this is an unsolved issue so i'm just kind of conjecturing here but um but as i said I was trying to get them in this week, but I think next week we should have somebody, hopefully, to talk to us about hopslate and viroid.
2: You know, there's an interesting potential data question here, and that's if you could collect, well, I don't know, but collect large-scale information on how the conditions under which crops were grown and how they end up, I don't know, performing it's that's not well formed question, but you know what you're saying is essentially um, left to the natural environment, they should be they should be hardier, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying.
0: Ooh, I think it's a that's a research question because that's so I I my dad's a biologist, and he he's the one who's always uh, going on about like how, you know, cannabis really should be grown outside. And it's uh, like, you know, different people have their different perspectives. Um they, you know, his perspectives, like, you know, it's, it's like, good for the plants to get eaten a little bit by the bugs, right? Because it's, you know, they're, they produce terpenes as a defense mechanism against bugs so a research question i've always wanted to try is just have two plants and just um like hole punch some holes in one of the plants to kind of mimic it being uh eaten by bugs um and see if because it would be kind of kind of counterintuitive right because it's like you wouldn't think like getting your leaves eaten up would be good for the plants but um, it may be, uh, and so this is where I'm starting to wonder. If, like, obviously, too many bugs are bad, right? If you've got you know too many pests, um, yeah, that's going to be bad. But uh, one has to to wonder if you know maybe just a uh, just a little bit of you know just natural pathogens out there may just kind of uh, almost like build the plant's immune system, so to speak. Um,
2: you're actually right that they do introduce stressors to the plants at a certain time, and that makes them pump up their volume of different cannabinoids and terpenes. So you're definitely on the right track there.
0: But, but <laughs> you know, good luck convincing any of these large growers to, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, let any, you know, pests into their uh into their environment um so i i, I don't know this may be a, a, a question more for you know like i said a biologist a botanist an ecologist but but this is kind of what i'm starting to think and long story short is i'm still really big on these on these hemp fields because when you go and you see them you really remember that this is still the the cannabis plant you know there are these lovely plants with seven pointed leaves except this variety just happens to produce predominantly cbd and cbg versus thc so it's just the same plant you know it still gets trichomes on it just these trichomes fill up with a different molecule um so so long so a question that comes to my mind is you're, you know you know question every statistic and so i wonder you know is this uh the 90 percent we hear in california does that include all the outdoor cannabis you know up you know in like the the, the green triangle so to speak um so I've got a feeling that I wouldn't be surprised if ninety percent of the indoor grows in California are infected, but but I don't, you know, who you know, I wonder if it is also ninety percent of the outdoor farms or not. Um, so, um, but but anywho, that's where sort of my thoughts were taking me was um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a. You know hemp grown at large scale and even cannabis grown at large scale outdoors especially if it's just going to be you know basically turned into concentrates like i think that's basically what we saw with uh you know the the raw garden farms um that they're producing it looks like a lot of outdoor cannabis and then they're producing a lot of you know concentrates and edibles and you know some joints but it looked like the predominant was uh, getting turned into concentrated goods so i could see that happening a lot with the outdoor flower um i wouldn't be surprised if there's still some indoor flower left um but uh, but i don't know i think so i'll, I'll kind of get onto some of my other thoughts here in a bit but basically you know that the indoor farming may almost just be uh just kind of a consequence of just the way cannabis has come up in this really like illegal nature um like a real you know illegal hidden nature right uh, basically people didn't want to be outside you know in the the public's view um so um in you know where we're seeing it permitted right that we saw uh, the glass house farms in california you know just these giant greenhouses um i know in florida i want to say I've, I've seen some pictures of some giant greenhouses so um ooh, but the other point you raised was we need some metrics to to start to start gathering and so if you're all interested I was going to maybe start putting this together for for home growers. But what do you all think about basically like like a homegrown research project where we have some sort of standardized worksheet or spreadsheet where, you know, home growers can keep track of of some of your various factors and then you could also, you know, keep track of some of your outcomes. So the the easiest would just be yield. Just weigh how, however much you you got, but then potentially I was going to depends on your state, but you know potentially we could start figuring out ways for home growers to get their products tested, because I know in Washington State, I imag I imagine that if I mean I worked at a laboratory and we definitely had consumers uh, bring in products now like on a once in a blue moon but um i don't see why a a home grower say in massachusetts couldn't get their product tested at at mcr labs so we'll have to you know check the various uh, the laws and regulations just to make sure this is in fact allowed in all the various states where home grows permitted but um but i don't know i think this i think this would be a really fun insightful research project um you know try to keep everybody anonymized but just just kind of record you know some of the key things um so i started to to write down some of the things we may want to keep track of but basically you know when you planted it and when you harvest you know which strain you're growing if you can you know the amount of light you're giving your plant each day is it inside or is it outside you keep track of the temperature um potentially uh and this is where you know good data scientists like yourself come in you know we could potentially work this out where once again we could maybe keep their location anonymous but if somebody does have their location then you may be able to just knowing your location you may be able to augment that with temperature and humidity and just sort of local weather conditions. Um, And then uh, what were some other things? So there was uh, like the nutrients and then the, the, okay, now this is a wild one. How much water you're giving your plants. So this was remarkable. I'll have to send you pictures. So I saw this, this small plot of hemp at the oregon state university and they weren't watering it they were just the only water that that the that hemp plot was receiving was just natural rainfall and i want to say that like all summer long they made it once again i'll get you the exact number in the blog post but i want to say it was only around an inch of rain like this whole summer and i mean the the plot did not look great like it was definitely the plants were definitely wiltering but they were they were kind of hanging in there surprisingly and you know everywhere else is just basically desert um it is like technically a desert apparently in a in eastern oregon but you know apparently cannabis can get by with remarkably little water. So that could be something you you kind of do some experiments on is maybe like, you know, see how drought tolerant your plants are. And once again, I always kind of wonder, you know, does basically, you know, stressing your plants with like water deprivation does that have any effect on you know some of the uh you know the flowers or the trichome production um so because because that's something that if you talk with gardeners they'll stress is you do not want to over water your plants right you're gonna you're gonna start getting rot in your roots um and uh in some uh, gardeners argue you you'll get better root growth if you kind of you know let the let your plants get super dry because i guess once again this is all kind of hearsay that's why we kind of have to tie the science to the folklore but the way the folklore goes is you know if you get them super dry then the roots have to you know start like searching for new sources of water but um but and then basically all of this and then once again you know say if if you are using any uh you know pesticides or 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 just pest management solutions, right? Maybe you introduce a bunch of ladybugs or, or something creative into your... Um, and in fact, if any of you are interested, I do know someone uh, who, who specializes in these sort of organic pest uh, pest control solutions. But basically just measure all your inputs and then the, the main outputs are, of course, you know, yield and then you know the cannabinoid and terpene concentrations. Um, so, so that's sort of just like an outline of of what we could potentially do. Um, and I don't know. What are your thoughts? You know, should we try to you know wrangle up some home growers and see if they can if they're interested in participating in a home grow analytics study. okay um so so because i don't know i i was just thinking this could be like you know a fun pet project because there's not really much data out there on this right there's the only data on home grow as far as i know once again there's probably better sources right there's the We've stumbled across them, so I'm sure there's other sources, but the the main one is just the uh, what was it the the uh, National Survey on Drug Use and Health, the NSDUH, um, and there I believe there was a question about how many people home grow in didn't sound right to me because i forget what it was um it was just a small fraction of people but then if you you know kind of extrapolated out to the entire us i'd want to say our numbers were like as high as like five or six million but that just seems way 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 too high to me it doesn't seem like there'd be that many people uh growing cannabis at home but um but that's really it um And so what we would kind of be interested in discovering is what are the, so this is an interesting research question right here. What's the average yield for a home grower? Because that's been the, one of the biggest reasons why home grows not been permitted. So in Washington state, they don't permit home grow. And one of the, principal reasons is there's they say they're worried about diversion of course now uh you know the the arguments kind of changed a little bit and now they're saying you know that now they're mostly worried about access to youth but um that would still technically be diversion right it's diversion to youth which is not what you want but um uh but uh, but any anywho my main point is we should maybe just quantify how much a home grower actually yields on average um, and you know you could probably estimate that you know prop you know you could do an estimate by hand but you would actually want some data and some statistics because as we all know the real world's messy and how how do things actually shake out um so um so we can kind of compare that to you know how much does an average consumer consume in an, in a year. Um and then once again potentially look at the, the home grower themselves uh using some of these cool things like the the receipt tracking we have. But but long story short is just try to figure out okay, the people that grow at home are they even growing enough to meet their own consumption needs because you know what i forget once again i'm pulling a number out of my hat we did calculate it at one point but i don't remember it but you know let's say somebody consumes maybe they're a heavy consumer they consume 50 grams a year um how many grams if they're a home grower would they produce a year you know maybe maybe one plant um they have a low harvest and they only harvest an ounce which is like 28 grams well that's you know about half of their consumption um and so one would theorize if they're only growing half of the amount they consume they're probably not diverting it right because they're they're actually going to the store to get their other half um so so that so that's one thing And then the other thing is just quality, right? What's uh, the average home grow THC percentage versus the average THC percentage you see at the retail store? You know, are home growers better or worse at uh, growing high THC or say maybe you're interested in high cbd um whatever it is you know are home growers better or worse than um than a licensed growers um and similar for, for terpenes you know who has the better terpene expression and this is and this is where you could really really unlock the some really cool scientific studies because For example mcr labs i want to say was doing a study where i want to say they were looking at soil quality and they may have i forget they may have i'll have to look up the study but the biggest complaint against the study was the sample size was small like maybe like 12 plants or something were grown in total in different soils well the cool thing about you know, getting a bunch of home growers on board, Um, it's not gonna be your traditional controlled scientific experiment, but this is the type of scientific experiment that like economists, you know, like myself are used to, which is just, you know, crazy variation from, you know, just all over the board from tons of different sources. And I love this type of variation myself. So it's just like you know, get a get a home grower in Massachusetts growing outside. Get a home grower in San Diego growing inside. You know, get someone in Washington State, or uh, they'd have to be a medical patient. Um, get a, a medical patient in Oklahoma. Get some some people in Missouri. Um, I want to say maybe minnesota is allowing home grow so you know just get all these different states get all these different people growing different strains maybe in some cases they're growing the same strain and you know keep track of the soil the water the light um and once again i You know it's not it's going to be quite different than your you know your typical control scientific experiment, but I don't know this that's sort of the the type of study that I personally love, but. um, What what are your thoughts comments questions about. um, About putting together something like this.
1: i'll volunteer.
0: Okay okay
1: Okay. bro uh but you know i could ask some people uh if i can uh you know propagate in their backyard too in massachusetts and help you know i'm always giving away uh phones and stuff but i get though right i started doing a closed loop system keegan right after uh i had spider mites off the massachusetts grower uh group facebook group right and uh and also, too, you know, I'm kind of glad that I did because now I can, you know, I can make my own seeds, and I also have seeds too that have CBD that are CBD rich as well as THC. And um, but anyway, I volunteer. Yay! <laughs> I I,
0: have, I I love everything about that. And it, it, right, it's a lot of you know learning by doing, right? Um, you found out you had spider mites okay you know record the strain record when you planted and all of this and it's you know we may like discover some super interesting things um just can, just throw something out there like maybe spider mites strike at a particular time of the year who knows? They, Maybe get, they, don't. they
1: hitchhiked on my clones. And, uh, <laughs> but you is, know what? My house is winterized in the winter in Massachusetts. So, you know, and then I did actually do a bomb, also. You know what I mean? And then after that, because that was last year's grow. And then after that, now I'm real careful, closed loop. And then with this, uh you know, viroid, uh, you know, just you know with everything it's almost like you know they're doing frankenweed keegan right you know it, it's like uh, and 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 i get it i really am not knowledgeable i didn't do cannabis until you know after i became a patient late in life and uh it just seems like there's so much rushing and corner cutting with these state uh weed facilities you know and I don't know it it, it just anybody can grow it so easily keegan i'm telling you i am do not have a green thumb i did my local garden club website because i was the only one that knew computers right but i couldn't grow for beans until i met cannabis and i treat my cannabis garden now like it's a shroom factory right i'm real careful about it and now, really, honestly, I let the leaves droop between watering. I don't even bother with pH, you know, except to check the water coming in. And and also, too, I have uh, town water or city water now that I moved, And um, I do a bubbler in it. And the weed doesn't care. You know, Gorilla Glue, it, it locks me on the couch when I need to be, And... And also, too, you know, like there's some local people that have seeds, and it's so easy to just do your own seeds. But please do it inside. Don't be like uh, pollinating other people's outside crops in Massachusetts, right? But it's amazingly easy. And I think though that because of the rushing and corner cut cutting, the drive for profit, right, and for tax monies is why our the cannabis is suffering, but I don't know. I can be so weird that way. Right.
0: You've raised a a lot of good points. And one, I just think like, you know, you see the pictures of uh, people growing cannabis back in the day. And right. They're they're hippies, right. They're uh, you know, the, you know, the, you know the revolutionary type just the the counterculture type um you know all uh, the california hippies um so that's uh where a lot of the history was and you know we were looking at the books um you know 35 years ago you know they were saying oh you know they were talking about uh making compost the california way with you know it's a lot of manure and tons of organic material but as cannabis is kind of slowly coming out, it's getting a little bit of a bad influence from uh, some some people who, I mean, that's how they've been doing a lot of these large scale agricultural crops. Um, and and so it's, you know, cannabis is, you know, get, they're, they're getting a bad influence from some of the people out there. But the, the bright side of this is we've got to, uh, you know, once again always highlight an issue as it emerges but you know now is really our opportunity to you know you know keep cannabis you know in the hands of the home growers and and keep the plant diverse because basically the the hemp field i saw this was a just a standard large-scale farmer and you know he says he normally grows onions and so basically they just grow what's profitable I saw another farmer in in uh, Eastern Washington, and he was growing um, a, a few crops, but uh, what was it? Uh, he was actually growing hops. Uh, so, so, it's, so it's kind of a coincidence, but he was growing hops. And basically what he says is, you know, if hemp or cannabis was profitable enough, he would just let the hops go bad right there in the field and just have everybody spend their time on cannabis. And so, I mean, that's how farmers think, is as soon as cannabis is profitable, they'll just clear the field and put down a bunch of cannabis. And that's what the, kind of getting into into different places. but but I'll stick to the main to the, the main point is they're just amazed at how hardy cannabis is. He says when he plants onions, he'll have to spend like six million dollars to weed the field. He'll have to pay people to go out and pick out all the weeds. When you grow cannabis, it's just such a just a, a hardy thriving plant that you have almost no problems with weeds because it's just the the cannabis puts down its roots plants have sort of their natural defense mechanisms so the the hemp can more or less by itself bend off weeds and, you know there's you know some here and there but it's it's nothing compared to what you would see in like an onion field and it's and they're saying like you know the, the their onions are way more susceptible to you know disease and pests than than these hemp plants and so basically the the farmers are just amazed by them right they're they're just used to growing these really really delicate monoculture crops and then they get in uh you know a, a couple varieties of hemp and they're they're just amazed they're like wow this is a this is a a miracle right i don't have to. and then not only does it fend off the the weeds through the hemp but, but they they rotate the crops so they plant hemp there they harvest the hemp and then they plant onions, and they say because they planted hemp there, there's now fewer weeds for the onions. Mm. And and they and this is where you really have to start studying agriculture. But I think they call it a, a cover crop, where it's basically like you want to almost have a, a crop in the soil. That way, weeds don't grow when it's when it's time to. Uh, Ooh, and I'll get to your question here. So long story short is cannabis grows well. One of the reasons it grows so well is it's a remarkably diverse plant and grows super well under the sun. It looks like it's thriving outside. And you know, one has to wonder is, you know, are we almost trying to monocrop? cannabis too much right like are we growing too many clones of gorilla glue you know are there just too many clones of gelato and it's just there's just not enough genetic diversity you're growing inside away from the plant's natural habitat there's bound to be viruses because from my understanding the hop and viroid it's just on everything like anything plant matter um and there's a lot of plant matter in a a grow so it's just everywhere um so i don't know something something to think about what are our thoughts on? and then so here i'll get to some of these questions so what are our thoughts on sativa um well i'm big up on the plant cannabis sativa um and so i personally think that's what everybody's growing um and and it's real it's real funny to hear the the hemp producers speak because they're they know even more about uh plants than i do and they basically say hey you know this is just kind of ludicrous you know we're all growing the same plant different varieties produce different chemicals it's just they're just different, right? Uh, they, right, like you know, different people have different colored hair. You know, it's like plants are just like little chemical factories. So it's just for whatever reason, you know, one had a slight genetic. This one seed had a tiny little genetic variation than its uh, its brother or sister. And for whatever reason, it can produce a tiny bit more CBD or a tiny bit more THC and, or a tiny bit more CBG, or, you know, whatever you may be interested in. And then, you know, people have just selected these different varieties. Um, so, so, so a lot of this is is just, you know, still, research to be determined and so yeah let's keep at this and so basically yeah so i think some of the, the key data points that we should be after are and this is you know what the people in the hemp field are principally concerned about is when did you plant when did you harvest how much did you get from your yield and then you can then augment that with many, 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 many variables. Because if you know where you were and you know when you were there, so you know when you planted and where in the world you were, then all of a sudden you can now get temperature data, humidity data, potentially air pressure data, maybe even soil data, if you're planting straight there in the soil um potentially water data if you're um you're relying on rainfall um, plus you can measure how much you're adding so so long story short these are sort of the just the classic the classic agriculture variables and We talked about him uh, one time in a a statistics lesson, but um, I'll have to dig this up. But at one point we talked about an early statistician who basically just collected data about varieties of plants, particularly when they like fruited, right? When they were harvested. So we can do that exact same thing with cannabis. Let's just you know, keep track of strains, try to keep track of when they were planted, exactly how long they were in flowering, when they were harvested, how much you got. So then, you know, we can spice in, um, add some spice with some variables like light, indoor, outdoor, soil, how much you watered it. So we can just keep adding, adding, adding variables. But I think this is what we, we should work on because or at least this is i once again i don't know i'm just going to have to do the data side because i can't home grow unfortunately here in washington but if any of you are interested you know i am here to help so we can i'm here to help you know we can put together worksheets i could help augment data you know whatever you whatever you're thinking so or if you have a more pressing research question you know let me know and um, so I know that the HOPs latent viroid is, of course, a pressing issue. That may be the most pressing. So I'm going to con- try to double check and confirm that we can get the, the lab director or at least the owner to, to speak next week. So that, that should be super exciting if we can get some some actual, you know, boots on the ground information from a testing lab that would be that would be the best so, okay so so i know i know today was more just a, a talking day but um i i owe you all a lot so first i owe you all a big thank you so you know thank you for you know coming and giving your attention especially after i kind of dropped the ball last week but I did take plenty of pictures, so I will make sure to to write up my notes and get the pictures to you. So that should be something for for you. I I took some really cool, interesting pictures, so you can now get to see firsthand, well, I guess secondhand through the photos, but you can now see what a hemp field is all about. And then, I'm going to start thinking about, you know, how we could put together a worksheet for home growers. But you know, let me know if you know you find any new sources of data, have any cool new ideas of your own, have any ways we can revisit prior sets of data, because as I said, I don't know. I was sort of just starting to just worry that. Too much about some of these big existential problems that I completely out of my hands, right? Like, for example, like the lab shopping, completely out of my hands. The only thing I can say is, hey, if you're a consumer, ask to see your lab results. Pesticides—that's a huge existential crisis or, or problem that's way bigger than cannabis, right? That's cannabis is just getting a bad influence from just the, you know, the giant agriculture sector so that that problems you know as big as you know the whole the whole food ecosystem so so that that's a a whole problem so how we can whittle on it well we can just say we're going to start as micro as micro as possible which is one home grower with one plant in Massachusetts who's willing to, to help out and record some of your data. Like I said, just which strain you're growing, when you planted it, when you harvested it, and if you can how how much you harvested. We can start with that and then just scale up. See how, see how see how big we can take this. All right help everyone.
1: I'm uh, so my GG4 even with the spider mites and the predator mites and ladybugs last year gave me over a pound and uh, now I have uh back in black and a hash plant that's from a local seed manufacturer because I'm doing a closed loop system now and I'm just going to make my own seeds too. So thank you, I, I'm volunteering.
0: Well, Candace, if you got a pound off of one plant, then I think there's Oh No, some- no,
1: no, no, no. It was six. I'm legally allowed to grow six. I have a little house. I have little lights. and uh, But they're not like your traditional closet fluorescent lights, right? These can kick some serious sun butt. And, uh, you know, it's amazing, like LED technology, but- I, I get it. Outdoors better, but you know, sometimes too you want to be discreet. You know, you don't necessarily want, you know, you might live in a closed kind of society too, which I kind of do. You know, I moved into a place that's more uh has more people around it, not like in the country like before when I could grow outside. But I won't even buy clones from dispensaries, you know. It, it's like that's where the uh the viruses are. That's where the uh yep brushing and corner cutting is
0: yeah well don't want to pick on anyone but but yes actually definitely watch out for that i've actually have heard that that be super cautious about clones you see at dispensaries and it's it's not their fault it's just it's just part of it right it's uh they have you have to keep these clones or cuttings in strict quarantine
1: but they do it for profit keegan right it, it believe me in massachusetts what they were charging for clones was highway robbery and uh i don't know <laughs> like
0: I said, Right? You, just, you have to know what you're getting into i'm i'm okay with it because it's like if somebody just wants to buy a clone and just kind of grow it for fun and it right. maybe a dud then then Oh well it's kind of like uh you know maybe you grow a a, t- a quick a quick tomato plant you bought that already has tomatoes on it at uh, at home depot or something so kind of kind of cheating or not really cheating but uh like i said i'm a big fan of gr- of people growing seed. i love to see it just uh i just love to see it just these tiny little seeds um and then they they send out a little tail, they germinate. And then, like you said, they grow into these remarkable plants. And I did the quick math and you were getting about two and two thirds ounces per plant, Um, which- my,
1: my GG4 last year did phenomenal. But then also too, my girls started growing past the light and I had the light right way above my carbon filters way up at the top of my tank because you know i grow in a small space you know i had a little two bedroom two bath that has 100 amp service instead of the four bedroom house in the country and uh but it's amazing how much you can grow and honestly the more that you uh the more water that you uh you know the more you mistreat cannabis sometimes it's like, she just, those girls just like excrete all these, all this oil. It, it's incredible. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I came into it late in life, but, you know, and I guess too, because I'm a high tech girl and, uh, you know, I never really got into the hippie movement or anything, but you know what? Those hippies, they got it going on. I don't know. That's what I discovered.
0: I absolutely love it, and it, it just brings it back to the point. Like, you know, the plants want to grow. Um, <laughs> they're weeds, after all. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just tickled. I, uh, I think it's phenomenal. So, like, as I said, let, let's, let's keep, let's keep documenting this because, I don't know. I, I think uh, if the data once again, we'll, we'll anonymize it because we definitely want to you know, make sure the home growers stay confidential. But I just kind of think if uh, people kind of understood a bit more what it's all about, um, then I, I don't know, I think it, it, it could help uh, the cannabis industry out, right? It just, you know, just nice people at home, just just growing some plants and you, you know, just uh you just, are interested in the particularly oily ones. So.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of interesting too, because I did some research too, you know, even with kids like these kids, right? You know, they uh, they grow with just a fluorescent bulb, right? Like a little tiny bulb in a closet. And, and they still come up with some bud. It, it doesn't take a ton of bud sometimes to, you know, help somebody get through a year, right? Until the next grow. I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting. I just really hope that big cannabis, these big cannabis companies that are rushing and corner cutting weed just for, you know, taxable and what have you profit, that they're not going to ruin it for everybody. Like they did.
0: I, I've got, I've got faith in us. Yeah, I've got faith in the people, right? So, you just got to make sure the plant stays in people's hands because it, it's kind of like the same incentive about asking for your lab results where it's uh well maybe maybe not but it's like hey you know if you're not gonna tell us what's in the plants then we'll just have to grow it ourselves so but,
1: i have that medical card in massachusetts i paid for it i did the doctor appointment i have the card But you know what? And I I get free product, right? So I don't know what. Maybe 200 I paid for the card. So I get 200 free product. But honestly, Keegan, with everything I know now, I don't think I want to buy in Massachusetts or from any state. Well, I'm stuck in Florida, right? When I go down there in the winter. But, uh, you know, because I don't think it's healthy. I think that there's so much hidden. In Massachusetts, and in some of these other states, I'm a little suspicious. I almost feel like a cannabis conspiracy theorist, right? And that's crazy, but it's just like there's so much fact behind it, and so much non-transparency. It's it's awful. Yeah,
0: it's not like you said. It's not necessarily a conspiracy because we saw it in Washington State. There's a a non-negligible amount of cannabis out there that i don't know i i wouldn't really feel comfortable consuming it and luckily we can actually see the the data in washington um yes it's it's not like easy right because you have to do a freedom of information act and then actually go and look at it um
1: but at least in Washington, they listen to your Freedom of Information Act. They follow rules and laws. Whereas in Massachusetts, they do not. You know, it's like they deny everybody's Freedom of Information Act unless it's something small. You know, that might uh, show some monetary gain uh, collected, but certainly nothing when it comes to the health of medical patients and. You know, I I don't know. (laughs) I'm gonna be quiet now. I I'm so disappointed, though. I was so gung ho
0: seven years ago about cannabis, and it's okay. Like I said, I'm doing my. I was sort of in that boat even as much as this morning. Where yes, it's a little frustrating, I guess, seeing. I I guess maybe people put in profit over people I'm, I'm not certain but uh but i've got hope um and, and what gives me hope is when i see you know like for example you where you grew a pound of just nice clean gorilla glue so you know
1: well, spider mites there if there was a little trouble last year i did get a clone right but uh yeah, yeah. And that's but
0: but, but yeah, we'll be wrapping up. But but basically, always got to to look at this uh, the jar half full. Um, and in Candace's case, it's uh, maybe a bit more than half full. Um, so, and that's good, right? Uh, a full a full jar of gorilla glue. So, uh, you know, p- please keep thinking about this because obviously, there's you know. The cannabis space could use, you know, your good thoughts. Um, so, you know, keep keep thinking, um, and you know, feel. Please feel free to reach out. You know, if you have any questions or comments or thoughts during the week, and exactly, let's let's rendezvous next week, and hopefully learn a bit more about the hopslate and
1: and are you going to um put like some of this data onto the uh slack channel so that we can start filling out the information or
0: yes i'm going to make a worksheet and then i'll just put the uh as always it's a starting point so i'll I'll put, I'll put a worksheet there and then you can take it make it your own make some adjustments uh throw it out and, and make your own new one just anything so it, As always, it's a starting point, and then we can take it from there.
1: Way cool.
0: Thank you. Definitely. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for helping advance cannabis science, and stay productive. (laughs) Until next week, everyone, keep being awesome.